Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. Never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. <laughs> my name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with my good friend and good fella, Andrew. How are you? What are you drinking, dude? Great, man. <laughs> I am good. Uh, we were talking the other day, and I realized that I pretty much only drink bourbon barrel aged stouts. I'm just is like, that wow, I must be a one trick pony. I have to deviate now. But uh, I'm drinking a Cellar 3. Uh, it's a Silva Stout. Silva Stout. Mm. I mean, if you have to be a one-trick pony and only have like one type of beer, you know, a bourbon barrel-aged stout is not a bad way to go. Right? Like, I, I love <laughs> like the depth and the, the tastes. I, I kind of got addicted. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and find some like really good IPAs and, you know, branch. Is there like some sort of like beer of the month club you could get into just like shake things uh, up a bit, have them send you things you wouldn't normally buy. Dude, there are, there are like some arcane laws in New Jersey that you can't get like alcohol delivered. Really? Um, yeah. So I, I can get like my local liquor store to literally just bring like some dude gets on a bike and like bring stuff over. But, um, it's been really hard like to get like wine of the month things mm. and just, that's uh, dumb. So it can't be shipped. Basically. Yeah. Well, so like we can get wine in the month and we did, but there's like all these requirements. Like they have to, I don't know, bottle a certain volume of their own bottles. It can't be above this amount, can't be below this amount. And oh. it's basically like uh, protectionist laws to help local businesses. And it's just weird shit. To help like liquor stores, basically. Yeah, or like local wineries. I don't know if people grow wine in New, actually, New Jersey, but you know. Mm, New Jersey wine, <laughs> right? Tasting the nice Pinot. You, know? you come for the beaches and you stay for the wine. <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> it's just like New Jersey class. Mm, that sounds great. I, I don't know if we have Colorado wine. I think we do, actually. I think I've seen a couple of Colorado wineries. We definitely have a few distilleries. And then, of course, we have as many breweries as there are grains of sand on those <laughs> beautiful New Jersey beaches because uh, Colorado is, this is the beer state. I don't usually watch Buzzfeed videos, mm -hmm. but this one kept showing up my sidebar and it was one of the try guys uh, episodes where they tried the, the um, most iconic drink of every state. And Colorado's was definitely craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Colorado's up to about 87% of all white men are brewing beer in Colorado. Something like that. Well, Matt is, so. <laughs> I at least have, no, I have two friends who brew beer because I think Nathaniel Boyle does too. Mm. So you're, you're not that far off. <laughs> I have not yet started doing it myself, but you got more than enough things to do. So what are we talking about today, my friend? Uh, we are talking about ways that you can increase your income. Um, some of them smart ways. To increase smart your ways. Next episode will be the dumb <laughs> ways. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I was I was thinking like, what, what are some dumb ways to increase your income? And then um, I remembered I watched Goodfellas the other night, and they were just saying, whenever we need money, we just rob the airport. <laughs> so even though they are wise guys that sounds like a pretty dumb way mm. to make some extra money and it looks like we have a fairly big list here of ideas that are hopefully slightly more intelligent for how to increase your income we got uh we got career 
contract side hustle, investments, things you can rent out. And then like, you know, if, if we feel like it, we have some like optimizing your expenses, which I feel like is making more money if your life costs less, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we probably won't spend a whole ton of time on that because within personal finance, would you agree that saving money is usually the focus because yeah. it's like low hanging fruit. Like I feel like you most just got a budget, all that kind of stuff. Cut the coffee, cut those lattes out of your diet, whatever. Yeah, increasing your income is harder. That's true. Takes a bit more creativity. Takes a bit more work and hustle. Work. But there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, so let's just kick this off with uh, some career stuff. So let's mm. talk about how you can increase your income within your own career. So I'm guessing like the gist of this is basically how do you get a raise? faster than you would otherwise get a raise by just waiting for the yeah. yearly review period. And you have fill the voids listed first. And I actually don't know what that means. So enlighten me. So uh, when, when I was younger, like when I was like first working, uh, my dad would always tell me like, you have, just have to fill the voids. And, and what happens is like, there are all these people that are hired to do all of these things. And it as, as it turns out, people don't do all the things that they were hired to do. And some things that need to be done aren't necessarily your job, but a good strategy in one, like keeping your job, like kind of like getting roots and, and just making yourself important is filling those voids, doing the work that other, so maybe it's someone else's job and you know what, maybe they're getting paid for that job. Um, but if you start doing their job, perhaps their job becomes your job and you can grow your income that way. Okay. So I feel like this is very similar to the idea of unofficially promoting yourself then. Go on. Which, which I listed. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Like if you see a gap or if you see something that isn't being done that you could step in and do and you have time and it's not going to eat into the things you're already supposed to do and kill the quality there, then I like to call it unofficially promoting yourself. Mm. You haven't been given new responsibilities. You haven't been, you know, moved from programmer to manager, right. but you have some time you, you know, you're, you're benefiting from your own efficiency and now you've got an extra hour in the day or something and you're just taking over a duty oh that no God. one else has really stepped up to do. There's this guy that, that I used to work with like really, really good guy. Awesome. His, his name's Neil. And mm -hmm. he, he was a developer. Like I was a developer at, at iHeart and, um, he just kind of did, uh, management esque things. And I don't mm -hmm. know if it was, I, I actually, actually I do know he didn't really want to do it, but like he, no one was doing it and maybe felt guilty or he's just, I, I don't know. He just wound up doing these things and yeah. inadvertently made himself incredibly important to the team where like they would they would probably if he were to leave they'd probably just throw dollars at him but they wound <laughs> up creating this promotion for him so he didn't have to become the team manager but still got the the wage of it essentially mm -hmm. and i think it was just kind of like what you said like promoting yourself like he's just doing it he doesn't want, he actually doesn't even want to be the manager um but yeah. he's doing the work whatever and that's kind of a cool little situation to be in because since he hasn't officially stepped up into a different uh, previously established position, maybe he's not always officially expected to do all those things. So it's kind of like a, I, I have a certain set of expectations that I'm fulfilling. And then when I have extra bandwidth, 
I can go above and beyond and dazzle people, make them happier because they expect me to do A and I'm doing A and B oh my really God. well. That, that's exactly how it played out. And I don't even think he intended it like that, where there were things that he just hated or didn't want to do. And so he didn't do those things, but no one was going to complain because he was doing all of the other <laughs> things that no one was doing. So yeah. he really got to like cherry pick um, the, the better pieces. Yeah, that makes sense. When I was working at the IT center in college, there was a, a girl named Mary there. And the funny thing is she was not even majoring in anything related to IT. Mm. So I think she had just gotten the job because she needed a job, which she had started before I even came to college there. Um, but she essentially took over the duties of the full-time managers. Oh, wow. Because there were a couple of full-time managers who just like, they didn't work as efficiently as they could. I'll put it that way. And even though they were getting full-time salaries with benefits and everything, and all of us student workers were getting $8 an hour, or $10 an hour, <laughs> like she stepped up and not only was she doing phone support, like she was supposed to and email support, mm-hmm. she was helping a lot of other people out. She was doing a lot of the management duties and like helping to schedule people. And it was cool. And then eventually she was promoted. So I think like there there are a lot of opportunities for you to accelerate the promotion schedule at your company. You know, because if you if you don't take the time to actively do this, then you're basically like passively waiting on some previously defined schedule. And the thing is, like a lot of a lot of companies, they don't have a defined schedule to, to move up. There's it's not like someone yeah. assigns you like, OK, now is your time to rotate into manager. Yeah, like, you take it or you don't. And even for raises, you know, some companies have like a, an established raise schedule every, right. you know, every quarter, every year, we're going to evaluate you and you'll get your raise you get your bonus, whatever it is. But a lot of companies, their raise schedule is keep this guy at the same amount of pay because we don't want him to cost us any more money yeah. until the very last second when he's about to go crazy <laughs> and quit. And then we'll give him a raise. We'll pay you just enough to keep you here. And it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> but if you take an active role and they start to realize, Ooh, we, we need this guy. He's not just fulfilling the defined role that we could replace uh, him into pretty easily. He's doing stuff that would be very tough. You know, and to replace him for. I think that's how you make yourself indispensable. Like you, don't, you don't make yourself yeah. indispensable by completely filling your role. You become indispensable when it's like when you leave, it is impossible for anyone to do what you do because you do so much more than your role. Yeah. Uh, do you think we should talk about when to leave? Yeah. Because I, yeah. I think we're, we're painting we're painting a rosy picture here, mm. where if you work hard and you go above and beyond your expectations, then management is going to recognize your talents, recognize your hard work and reward you accordingly. Excuse me. And that will happen at certain companies, Mm. but there are certainly other companies out there that will be more than happy to, you know, sort of on the down low kind of exploit your hard work ethic and your ability to, you know, they'll just, they'll just like reap the benefits while never actually recognizing your talent and your extra effort and never really promoting you. You know, uh, that's absolutely a thing. And I think the, uh, look, you may have like an intuitive thought how they might act, you know, or anecdotal experiences from other people. But I think generally the, the whatever truth of it is that you just have to try, right? Because 
Uh, you won't know, like you never really know how a company values you until like uh, it takes someone who you've interviewed with and knows you for an hour and a half to offer you 1.5 times your salary to be like, holy shit, the company I work for just doesn't value me. And then if yeah. then, then even if they counter and they match you that plus whatever, uh, you shouldn't stay because it took you leaving for them to recognize your value. So mm-hmm. I think you have to put yourself out there. And uh, we're we're watching this this show on Netflix, and I forget the name of it. Um, but this guy's working in this family business. He was like a drug addict for whatever, and he comes back, and he just starts working, and he wants his mom to put him on the payroll, and so she does, and he and he gets his paycheck, and it's not as much as he was expecting, and so he's thinking to go to complain like to to the mom to like pay me more money, and the brother's like, just do the work first. And then, like, you know, maybe you can make more money, whatever, like prove yourself. And so I think mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't always work out. But if you, worst case, maybe uh, you'll have a bit more respect for yourself. You'll learn some things. You'll, you'll get a little bit passionate about, like, pushing the needle. Um, yeah. It's actually an interesting point that you bring up. So you think if you happen to go interview at a different company, they offer you more and then when you say you're going to leave for that company, your current company offers to match that, you think you should just basically always leave? You know, it, it's a it's a tough uh, scenario. I, I, in most cases, I view the counteroffer as a trap because you are trying to leave and perhaps uh, you would leave a gap and they need you know you to do whatever or or it's obviously if if you're important or or me- meaningfully doing work they're nervous to lose you so they want to keep you but then they know you want to leave yeah. and so perhaps they then work on finding replacements for you or I I don't it's not a genuine way to get a raise that is okay so you think if you accept that counter offer to stay your your company you're actually putting yourself in a vulnerable vulnerable position you've given your cards now they're wondering that you were trying yeah, now to they're leave. wondering like how long is this person actually going to stay and, you know i think i think it's worth saying that uh it is an unfair situation for the company you know where you get this counter offer and leave if you're just like this heads down person who has never said anything about your uh, compensation or even tried to like if all of a sudden out of nowhere you know everyone thought you were happy making ten thousand a year and then what I, like so it, it goes hand in hand but if you're I think in most cases you shouldn't take the counter offer okay mm. so yeah I guess there are opportunities to move and if you decide to pursue it, then you should probably commit to it. Yeah. Especially once it becomes known to your current employer that you wanted to move. Uh, I mean, you have a lot more full-time employed work experience than I do. What do you like? How's What's the best way to go about actually starting to look for a new position? Um, I like when I first got my job, I mean, I think LinkedIn was there and it was okay. Now it is such a beast uh, like this, this machine that exists. Um, I think that almost everyone listening can leverage recruiters to some, like you can go out and find jobs, but there are people who are financially incentivized to find you and make sure that you're a perfect fit for the job and get you hired. And they will help you in every way possible. Talk to the management, negotiate on your behalf. I think 
you're, you're supposed to only work with one recruiter at a time. And I guess if maybe yeah. you're just a really stand up guy or gal, you do. <laughs> I want to work with as many people who are going to push me as possible. And the one who gets me the job that I want with the number that I like is the one who wins. And so I think that you should yeah. take, you know, a week and make your, like someone should read your LinkedIn profile and cry that it is so beautiful. And then you go and find a bunch <laughs> of recruiters to push you. So what do you do about your current employer finding out? Um, finding out about what? That you're, that you're looking. I think generally speaking, that they won't. I mean, you don't have to mark on your LinkedIn profile that you're looking. I have never okay. done that. And my inbox gets like bombed out with a ton of just requests. Recruiters are just doing searches yeah. based on blah, blah, blah filter. And they're, they're just emailing, cold emailing you. Gotcha. Man, I can't. I'm trying to remember where I was reading or listening to this, but there's some company that was sued by LinkedIn or maybe they had their API access revoked mm. because they were, they were building this product where it would basically like scrape LinkedIn data and then it used that and it would do analysis on the way that profiles were written and activity to build like a dashboard for managers to show you the current like likely state of each of your employees, like how likely is this person looking for another job? How likely are they to leave? Mm. So I worry that employers are actually trying to, I mean, it's in their best interest to be honest, because like from an employer's perspective, their employees are part of the resources of the business and they need to protect them. You know what? Like in lieu of them, like knowing your conversations, which I don't know how they would know and be super fucked up if LinkedIn provided, but like this dashboard should probably include wages that people are getting paid and what the going rate is out there and perhaps benefits. And this may actually net work out for the people who have, jobs at these employers because, well, you know, if I'm making $20,000 and I'm worth $90,000, it would behoove them to pay me what I'm worth if they want to keep me. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. What it sounds like to me is an information imbalance tipped in favor mm. of the employer, That's which true. gives them the ability to, you know, finesse things mm. and, and like figure out wh- where is the exact breaking point of this employee and how can we just like <laughs> stay on the razor's edge? <laughs> <laughs> of compensation and benefits and, you know, working them to the mm-hmm. bone. I don't know. I, I don't want to be cynical all the time because I genuinely think there are a lot of caring employers out yeah. there who want to build a team of people that like working there and that work well together. That's what I strive to be. I, I imagine that's what you strive mm-hmm. to be, but we've both been in enough situations to know that that's not always the case. You know, and a lot of it and is not even the company. It's like the, the manager. You know, if the manager's yeah. the worst, it ruins everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess the other thing that you had here for a career was start taking your free time mm. to learn new skills. Yeah. So uh, I'd heard stories, you know, and they're like anecdotal. And then I met this dude. Uh, he, he listens to the show. His name is Nick. And uh, his story was mind-blowing because – uh, there was there was a point in his life, and he was he was a truck driver, and it's not that there was anything wrong with being a truck driver, but he was putting in crazy hours. He he was away a lot, um, and he was making thirty something. And I don't remember exactly what he had said, and and he had just decided that he kind of didn't want that life. Felt that he was with more blah blah blah. Started learning general computer things. 
fast forward and I want to say like two years or so, he be, he's mm-hmm. uh, a systems admin uh, for a tech company and he, and he makes four to five times what he was making as a truck driver. And this is a guy, he, he's not like 24, he's you know, 30 or, or whatever. And so he spent the, the, you know, premier time of his life driving a truck and then kind of, I don't want to say like your thirties is late in your career, but it certainly feels that way because you already have yeah. experience or the people you're competing with have experience. Um, mm-hmm. And he pulled it off and I was like, wow. I mean, first of all, the, the guy, the guy is an amazing guy. But the way the way he tells a story doesn't seem like he, you know, uh, did any Superman tactics. He kind of just put his head down, learned, applied to a bunch of places, failed, learned more, applied to places, got a job, you know, whatever. And then there's this, That's yeah. Awesome. And so there's this other guy who uh, who worked at IR with me, and um, not not an exact story like that, but. He uh, was not doing really computer-related things, and they have these uh, coding boot camps or like data science mm-hmm. boot camps, and and they have in New York, and I'm sure everywhere, where like they they're like, hey, this is 15k, uh, you're gonna do it full time for three months, and we're going to teach you everything you need to go to get this specific type of job, and we yeah. will get you the job, and if we don't get you the job, like it's like free yeah. or whatever, and so he did that. And uh, long story short, became a data scientist at iHeart. The dude is brilliant, loves his work, is great at it. But like his before, and usually the before is like someone was a data scientist at another thing or did something similar. His previous was nothing related, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I think that it is so very possible to get yourself up to speed and make a career jump like now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah, I think like one of the mindsets that you need to adopt, and surely the truck driver adopted this mindset. Uh, I think a lot of people forget it is you are a human being, which means you have the ability to adapt and learn almost Mm -hmm. anything. And as people get older, they get into their roles in life, they kind of forget that. I had a little bit of a a weird like light bulb moment kind of related to this the other day where I was playing basketball in my gym because it's winter here and outside is cold and this kid comes up to me and he's like hey you guys want to play a two-on-two so i just played two-on-two with him and two random people uh all far younger than me so of course i got my ass completely (laughs) handed to me (laughs) but they said we're gonna play to 16 and i was like okay cool and by the time we were at eight i'm like huffing and puffing (laughs) and like wanting to just fall on the floor and die um but i'm like all right my, my coach told me to hustle in high school i gotta do this and then I realized like this is this is basically like setting the timer on a yeah. treadmill where right? we have to play to 16 and until 16 I got to keep my arms up and defend and run and all that kind of stuff. It's like you know what becoming an adult like I sort of shuttered all those high school sports I mm. used to play and I just kind of decided at some point I don't really like high school sports anymore. And then I think like you get into this narrow mindset where what does exercise mean when you're an adult? Well, it means you go to the gym, which is and boring. I, I guess I know. better yeah. You know how like how often do you actually want to go down to Planet <laughs> never, Fitness? Never, dude. One hundred percent of the time, never. <laughs> yeah, and the, like, the thought of going down and running on the treadmill is the, the only to me. time I want to go to Planet Fitness is free pizza day or free bagel day. <laughs> I think that is, I think that is hilarious and also really it, cynical. It, how do you how do you make sure your customers are customers for life? 
feed them pizza every week for free. <laughs> Why am I not losing weight? I guess I better go more. <laughs> I can't cancel that subscription. But seriously, I think, you know, we get into this mindset where it's like exercise means I got to go lift or I got to go to the treadmill. So I guess I'll just tough it out and do the treadmill. And that was like kind of the, the whole mindset that I was in for a long time. Like what's cardio? I guess it's running or biking. Cause I had shuddered this whole idea of like, I could, I could learn basketball. I could get pretty good at that. And I could probably learn tennis or volleyball. And then, uh, you know, just, uh, it takes a couple of kids saying like, Hey, come play mm-hmm. two on two with us to kind of like reignite that. And I think it's the same with learning a career skill. Maybe you become a trucker or you become a data scientist or something. And you think, well, this is my realm now. You know, I do stuff within this realm and you need to realize that regardless of what you're doing right now, you can pivot to something else. It's just that depending on how far away it is from what you're doing right now, there's going to be like a certain amount of work you have to do and a certain amount of time it'll take to make that transition. Going from a truck driver to a programmer, it's a pretty big transition. So I'm imagining he had to put probably, you know, a couple hours a night for a long time. Yeah is a lot of sacrifice yeah. to be able Which to do that scary. while balancing a full-time and, and job it's so, so i'm sure it's scary and then it's like uh well you have to succeed or you know maybe i'll succeed and i think that uh perhaps like you need to like to to think optimistically like that uh, is maybe the wrong way like mm-hmm. perhaps you will fail and you have to give your chance like yourself the chance to fail and i don't know yeah. any time that i've done things right and learned anything I mean, when I do it right, I'm just like, look how great I am. I did it right. Like when, it, when, when I mess up, which is most things in my life, I actually learned something. And so, you know, you could go and be like, you know, I'm going to be a Python developer and I'm going to da da da. And you go and do this thing and you suck at it and you do an interview and they're like, hey, sir, you're really stupid. Don't code. Well, then you learn something, right? <laughs> Maybe you're not. I don't know. Like you should at least put yourself out there. Or maybe you you let that piss you off and then you use that as extra fuel and motivation. Damn right. What <laughs> <laughs> one final little closing note on the career section here. Um, it, it is, you know, I want to acknowledge this. It is hard to come home after a full day of work and then motivate yourself to sit down and learn yeah. coding when maybe you have a wife, maybe you're supposed to cook dinner you got to hang out with your kids or, you know, whatever it is you want to do, or you maybe you want to relax a little bit. That's tough. And it takes a lot of grit. And like, honestly, the answer is it takes a lot mm-hmm. of fucking grit. But what I found uh, is that you can sort of mess with the schedule. So your full-time job has a lot of accountability already built into mm-hmm. it, right? You have a boss, you have deadlines. So I think that can actually help push your motivation later in the day to get things done. What if you woke up an hour earlier and you put in an hour of code practice and then you went to work? So you use your most motivated, refreshed time of the day to just crush it on that little goal you're working on personally, then go to work. Your deadlines are going to motivate you and they're going to provide a little augmentation to that. And then you can go home and you've already made progress yeah. for the day. Maybe you can still relax. Uh, you know, and, and maybe people in your life can help hold you accountable as well, Right. You know, yeah. maybe uh, your your wife or your husband or your kids or somebody, your aunt, can just withhold things from you or or uh, do positive things when when like you match that with your intensity. And you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I agree. There was a thread on Hacker News the other day, but a guy was asking like, 
I just have so much trouble motivating myself to work. Like, is, am I weird? Am I, it's like, dude, abnormal? join the club new- every morning. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone has this problem. Uh, the top response was a guy saying, you know, I've burned through every motivation and productivity hack you can think of. And what I've learned is honestly, I just need to work for somebody else in all things. That is the the number one thing, because at the moment I'm working for somebody else, I'm now yeah. accountable and my motivation is no longer only in my hands. So it's so true. You know, I you could get like a personal trainer who's like, you better be at the gym today because you're paying for this and I'm gonna keep <laughs> yeah, your like, money. Yeah, like you know what? Don't want. come. That's fine. You know? That's fine with me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your money. Yeah. Uh, you know, or you like I think having a boss makes sense. And even if you're an entrepreneur, you can in certain ways give mm. yourself a boss. I, I don't know if you, uh, maybe Laura, Laura is, is your definitely boss. definitely my boss. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's the only yeah. reason I get anything done. I've, I've sort of made Martin my boss. I've been telling him like push back against me if I'm, if I'm like having a new idea that's going to deprioritize something we already committed to, uh, you know, get on my ass if we haven't gotten something like on a project, a milestone, um, met like do it because <laughs> I need somebody to be my L- boss. Laura and I just have these like deep, long conversations about how stupid I am. And it just really, it really <laughs> helps me. I try to not be stupid. <laughs> hey man, whatever works. All right. So let's move into our next category. Uh, so these are like what we call like contract work or mm. side hustles. That you can kind of add to your full-time yeah. job. So this isn't getting raised. This is, well, I guess it is kind of getting a raise, but it's getting a raise by adding more work into your life it increases your income and there's a bunch of things yeah uh and let's talk about candace because she is just oh my god so uh way back like four or some odd years ago uh when this podcast started and we and you know there was like not that many people listening and we were certainly not we're not even not not only we're not big deals we were not any kind of deals (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know uh this, this girl uh, emailed us and she wanted to help like us write show notes. And we're like, oh my God, like we, we don't want to do this. You know, we want to like come up with ideas for the show or whatever. And I, I had a job at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, Matt had his kind of job thing. And so uh, Candace started writing show notes for us. And um, in the beginning, they're all right. I mean, they, they fit everything that we needed. Yeah. And, uh, over time she got better as we got better and figured out like what we needed to do. And, uh, I quit my job like seven or so months ago. And by the time you're listening to this episode, Candace will have quit her job. Um, and she now is a, yeah, for real. And so now she, she works for Listen Money Matters and she also has other clients. And I mean, we try and steal more and more of her time, but the, (laughs) the point is like she randomly approached these two nothings. To, to you know possibly do some work and um you you never know right like yeah. I, I there's so much writing work out there and I think that we see it because we're kind of like in this world mm-hmm. um if you like writing there is work for you and it pays well I think there's a, another interesting little tidbit in that story because Candace she probably started out being paid like peanuts right yeah and she's mm-hmm. been with us for four years. So w- with writing, and I, I've seen this with other people as well, you are going to start small. 
And mm. I think that you should start by working for free because it's yeah, build up a portfolio. Yeah, or, you're building a portfolio. I think you know a lot of people they kind of crap all over this idea of working for free, and they say things like you know you deserve to be paid, you know what you're worth, all this kind of stuff. Not always, but like you going to FinCon mm. is work, and you're paying for it. So not only yeah. are you working for free, you're paying to work, but in exchange. Yeah you're getting access to people that you would not otherwise get access to. Uh, that dude, that's, that's a really good point. And that, that's because, the whole thing, right? Yeah. You know, you could go to, uh, they could go to you, they could go to Forbes or there's like mm-hmm. a, a, a millions of, of websites or just even traditional publications that need help. And then what happens is like, if you create great stuff for them, maybe they didn't pay you a hundred, 200, 300, whatever the, the values of, of what you're creating. Mm-hmm. But now like you impacted these people yeah, and these people have networks um, and, and it just doors open. So, you know, and I don't want to like stick too much on writing, but I think it is a really great way to kind of enter this making money on the side area. Writing has a couple of additional benefits. Because when you write, you build a portfolio of work that can be shown to other people. So if you're, say, like a VA, virtual assistant, which is another great way to make money on the side. I don't want to I don't want to knock it. But mm-hmm. say you're, you know, taking care of someone's email inbox and you're editing articles for them or doing whatever they need to do. Maybe you're not even a virtual. Maybe you're a real assistant and you're just like doing people's laundry or something. Mm-hmm. You're not really like every minute of time invested in that kind of work is benefiting you in that you're going to get paid for it, but you're not creating something that lasts and that can be shown to other people and that benefits you later on. You are helping to build a relationship with your client and that may lead to other opportunities down the road. And that that's the case for every kind of position out there, but with writing, with graphic design, with video editing, any kind of uh, work where you're producing something that is publicly visible, you are now creating a portfolio for yourself. Mm. Other people can see that. The internet gives you unprecedented ability to show that to other people. And yeah. that leads to amazing things down the road. And that leads to you having this sort of credential that's very visible that you can use to justify charging more down the line. So now I'm guessing Candace charges you a lot more than she used to. We, you know? we proactively try and give her raises before she has to ask. Yeah, but because uh, you're a yes. good boss, <laughs> and uh, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> you'd have to ask Candace. But like, uh, what we try, what we do is like, so one, um, there are people who email us and they read the things that she writes, mm-hmm. and uh, they they want her to work for them, and so we pass her along. And a lot of these people are banks or financial organizations that pay multiples more than we could ever afford. Yeah, you know. I mean, maybe the work is not as consistent, but the point is like there's there's certainly a very high upside mm-hmm. in this area. Yeah. Um, my writer Ransom is a you know a pretty analogous story. He was a sophomore in college who was just commenting on my blog a lot. And then eventually I let him do a guest post and that led to a couple more guest posts. And then he was like, hey, can I maybe be a staff writer? And I made an exception because I liked his writing and I knew him and so I was paying him like 75 bucks a post for a while. And then one day he's like, Hey, I want to up my rates. And I said, okay. And, and now he's on retainer and eventually oh my God. Like on track to becoming a full-time employee. So, this reminds me of how, how Matt 
came on the team. He was just a commenter on the blog and then then eventually became a, a co-host. And then there's this guy named Thomas who was a commenter <laughs> on the blog. <laughs> so it pays to to engage. Yeah. So I guess there, there's, a, there's a bigger point here than just writing. A smart way to increase your income in the side hustle department is to work for free first yeah. because you're building up capital of a different kind. And uh, there was a point I wanted to make. A lot of people hate this idea of working for free. And the way that I that I see it is I don't like businesses that want people to work for free for them. So like a business that has an internship that's unpaid. I don't like that. Mm. So from that perspective, I'm like, people should be paid what they're worth. If you're a business yeah. owner, you should pay. But from the perspective of you know the person building up from the ground right now, like you can't expect the world to be like that. The world is the way it is. And to get ahead, working for free is that hack. So if you have the ability to take care of your personal expenses, then working for free is a great way to start building that foundation. You know, if, if you need to have a job because your personal expenses aren't taken care of, obviously like you need to take care of that first. But once you've done that, you've like built the base and you mm. can kind of like shoot out from there. Uh, and if you work for free in certain areas and you can leverage that, that may be a faster way to grow than trying to charge right away because that will, that will limit your opportunities. And look like, so, so I absolutely agree. And, and I, I want to maybe broaden the scope because it doesn't necessarily only apply to writers and like, yeah. You you had said VAs and it's this kind of like very like very very broad like what does a VA do I don't know everything and nothing mm-hmm. and um you know we we've had VAs to help us with research things in the past or you know emails or whatever and I guess the point is like if you if you don't fancy yourself a writer this can all apply if you just fill the void but instead of for your employer for a potential new one. You know, they just yeah. need five hours a week of your time, you know, cut a little Netflix out. Uh, you might even earn more than you do during your day job during those hours. Yeah, that's true. I mean, eventually listen, money matters, you know, kind of, well, I don't know if it outpaced your job, uh, before you quit, but it eventually got you to the point where you could leave your job. Yeah. So. And, you know, it's like it was only five years. It was also <laughs> an enormously long five years. I feel like there's a lot of like online people who are like, look at me. Like I, I did all this. And I, I think it that's like uh, unfair. But oh, if you you're mean will- like people who just blew up in a year or something like that? I, I'm even super skeptical of that I think the people who kind of tout the amount of money that they make or kind of convey how easy it is and, you know, all the tactics are out there. And I know you've read them all and I've read them all and I'm still trying to figure it out because <laughs> the actual success isn't really in those tactics. It's like, I don't know, the yeah. gaps between or and not not to go deep down that realm. So, so you got the VAs mm-hmm. and then you just got the A's which are just like normal assistants. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a typo or something there. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> I cracked myself up when I was writing it. Um, but so like TaskRabbit, uh, pe- people want their Ikea. That's actually the biggest thing that tax ra- TaskRabbits get hired for is assembling Ikea furniture. Really? Um, it's the biggest yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. I, huh. We're actually, I, I, did, I did Ikea buy TaskRabbit? I, heard, I was reading this thing. They might've actually bought them. Um, really? 
I, I don't remember. But but anyways, the point is like, I don't know, people want you to go pick up their groceries and that's kind of like DoorDash or, you know, their food delivered like Postmates. And so you can kind of fill the, like, for example, uh, Chipotle doesn't deliver burritos, but you know who will deliver a burrito from Chipotle for you? Postmates will. So yep. if you sign for a Postmates account and you tell them what burrito you want, they'll get your burrito and bring it to you. That's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is stand on a line and then I don't know, <laughs> drive to your house. I use uh, like DoorDash quite a bit here mm-hmm. in Denver. It's pretty great. Uh, one idea that I just had, what if you, like say you lived in New York City, there's right. a ton of entrepreneurs that live there. What if you contacted one and just pitched your services as an assistant? So uh, Ramit Sethi has a second site called Growth Lab. It's all mm. about growing your business. And he had an article that he wrote, which was, I think it was talking about like ways that you, things you're going to have to do to finally build a seven figure business. And he said something along the lines, if you can, you can grind your way to $750,000 doing the same shit you did when you were at $50,000. But if you really want to get consistently into the millions, then there are some things you need to do. And one of the things that he mentioned was you need to realize that your time is so valuable. And if you are still doing things like your own laundry or cleaning your own house or going to the check the PO box yourself or doing your bookkeeping yourself, Mm Like you are in a mindset right now that is going to limit you. And yes, you may think that, you know, getting an assistant to do those things is going to make you seem like you're arrogant or like you're way too rich or, you know, too fancy for your own britches. But the fact of the matter is if you're doing these things, you're limiting yourself. Well, I identified with that. It resonated with me. Maybe it resonates with you, but I'm still not to the point where I'm like (laughs) ready to actively go out and hire an assistant. There's always some other thing in my life that my brain can latch onto and be like, I'll think about that later. Cause it's, it still does feel a little guilt inducing to like have some of them clean your house. You know, Laura and I are nowhere near to to that degree of like, you know, Oh, like maybe we'll be almost worth like a million dollars a year. Like definitely (laughs) not there. But like, we also grew up in, in such a way where like, if you could do something yourself and it costs $20, like why, why would you ever pay someone to do that? It's funny. It's like so easy. It's like, you just do it. Like, because our, our parents, they, they weren't cheap, but they were, they were like frugal. They weren't like spend thrifty. Yeah. So we both have yeah. that like upbringing. And so we we're always constantly bumping up against that where mm-hmm. like we have to go against our, our gut instincts um, and, and allow help, you know? And it's, it's for yeah. really, nominal things like i don't know fixing stuff in the apartment that we have no like (laughs) whatever to fix but so yeah what if what if you were the person who took an active role in pushing one of these spendthrifty entrepreneurs who honestly probably needs an assistant and should hire one and has needed one for quite a while what if you took the active role in reaching out and saying hey if you need somebody to come clean your house or you need someone to come check the post box or like if you have important things that you're putting to the side because you're still doing this stuff, let me do it for you. I'll tell I you think what, if there was somebody in Denver who reached out and they were like, hey, I, I'll do it. I'll, I'd be like, people, I would be more inclined to accept an offer than I would to actively go out and look for somebody to be. People assistant. must reach out to you. Maybe you don't check your emails because so there's two reach outs. There's like this one where they just email you and they don't even know who you are. They don't even care. And there's the one yeah. who actually knows you 
and like the things you've been doing. And I have been known. I mean, Laura will attest. I I say yes to almost every single person. I give every like most a chance, <laughs> you know. And and most a lot don't work out. But like the thing is, the ones yeah. that do, you know. Anyways, that that is like a whole area onto itself because I think like mm-hmm. you you could go into any of these spaces and you don't necessarily know what you would do or you know you don't know what's behind the curtain, but it opens your eyes. So like you, there's this like whole world like so, not to like harp on Candace, but she didn't know this whole writing world existed. Inadvertently, mm-hmm. I, I think she was just a fan of the show, and now like she does whatever the fuck she wants, which is like how it should be, right? You know. Yeah. Took her took her also five years, but yeah. Who remembers all that hard stuff in the past? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta put the time in. Yeah. So. Some other things you could do in, in terms of side hustles. I mean, there's always freelance web development work. Mm. So that's, I think, you know, we, we kind of stick to computery things because that's the kind of people we are. Yeah. But you can go chop firewood. Yeah. Or you could go like be a gardener or be a landscaper or something like that. Uh, you could teach something. So you have listed here tutoring, which is definitely a thing you could do. When I was in high school, I tutored at the community college and I didn't get paid as much as like private tutors get paid, but I still got paid. I think that like you know? parentheses part is like super important. Mm, people pay a shit ton of money for private lessons on piano, math, all that kind of you, stuff. You know, they it. do They're, like individualized attention. Oh my God. If you're going to come to my house and make my kid, not a shitty math student, you could probably just tell me how much it's going to be. And I'll say, yes. Like <laughs> it's just one of those yep. things like, you know, uh, it, no one is out there necessarily looking for a math tutor, but mm-hmm. uh, if you put yourself available, they might see the fact that you're a math tutor. I'm like, Oh my God, we so need this. So, yeah. So, not this isn't math tutoring, but it's kind of like a the mindset. Um, Anna has always wanted to run like a booth where she sells her art mm. at like anime and gaming conventions. And over the past couple of weekends, she did her first two. One was in Colorado Springs, one was here in Denver. And she's like, the first one, she's like, people kept walking by, not even looking at all my stuff. And I could see that like they're they're cosplaying from a studio Ghibli movie or something. And I have all these Ghibli pins and they didn't even see them. What the heck? They didn't even look at my, my booth. And I told her, well, sometimes when I'm at a conference like that, like I purposely don't look at the booth cause I, I don't want them to like come over and yeah. <laughs> rope me in or whatever. So then the next one, she goes to it and she comes home and she says, you know, it worked better this time because I actually called people out and I said, Hey, you're wearing a Ghibli costume. I've got these <laughs> Ghibli pins over here. Come look at them. And then people would come over and look. So I think a lot of times, you know, people don't, they either don't know what they want mm. or they don't know they want it that badly. Yeah. But when you, when you're active, maybe you go to your local coffee shop that has a bulletin board and you, you put up a flyer that says math tutoring available, you know, private in-home lessons or something oh like that. Oh my God. Okay. Someone might see it and be like, little Jimmy does have shitty math grades. Yeah. I'm going to hire this person. So in Hoboken, I, I don't know how this happened and it was like, it's like a newer thing where People just are always on the corners trying to get you to sign up for something and pay. Mm. And it's gotten to the point where like HelloFresh and these people, they're like literally on the corners trying to sign you up. It's like they're everywhere. I know it's hardcore. And so I'm walking. I was actually walking to uh, this co-working space. I have a desk at and uh, you had texted me this this graph of like um, 
rapid demon. You're like, like trying to like counter the de- rapid demonetization things. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at this graph. I'm like, this guy. I'm like, I'm like thinking about it. And this guy, he, he like, he's on the corner. He's like, oh my god, you're looking at pictures of cats. And I was like, dude, how'd you know? Like, cause I mean, like, <laughs> whatever. Turns out it's from the ASPCA. I, I signed up. I became like a monthly whatever thing because animals and cats. But the point is like I would have never did that, but he called me out kind of like Anna did mm-hmm. and it works sometimes. Yeah. Um, on the teaching note here, so we, we got the idea of being a private tutor. Mm. I do also want to mention that you can create courses and make a little bit extra coin by putting them on like Udemy or Skillshare. Mm. And I, I think like a lot of people imagine like, Online business people do this. People with audiences do this. But uh, last month, I think it was, one of the people who went to college with me, her name's Cassidy, she she graduated and she moved to New York City and got a job in tech. And she's like a fantastic programmer. Mm. Um, And she was like super successful in college, but wasn't the kind of person who like built up an audience, was just like a really good employee uh, in tech. So she built a course on Udemy teaching, I think it was some like variant of JavaScript or some JavaScript library. So pretty obscure kind of thing, but then launched it and made a decent amount of sales. You know, so she's not even the kind of person who's like building an online audience, but she still made some extra money doing this course on the side. Dude. So, so the beauty of this thing, and I actually, I, I used to talk to this guy a lot and I mean, kind of like drifted, but he was teach he's teaching English in uh, China mm-hmm. and he wound up like kind of putting economics lessons and stuff online on these platforms and doing well. And I think the thing is, if you create something and you put it on like a Udemy or a Skillshare, it's Skillshare Udemy's job to bring the audience to your videos. And if you have mm-hmm. a topic that they're interested in, and honestly, you don't have to elevate it to the level that, that you do your videos. You could just kind of do a video. And if you get a great response, maybe you redo the videos, you know, and yeah, but like you got to start somewhere. And so if it's, if it's something people want, it's niche, don't, don't build the audience, put it on a platform. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we also have selling stuff on Craigslist and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, you could sell your own stuff. Uh, one thing that you could also do is find things that are cheaper and then buy them and then sell them for higher. So one thing that I can think of is Laura yes. does Poshmark, mm. which is like a, it's, it's like a thrifting app, right? Yeah. It's, it's, Kinda? I think it's most, they have a men's section. It's mostly for women and it's uh lightly used clothing essentially. And mm-hmm. I guess, uh, whereas like, uh, at least with me as a guy, I wear my stuff like right, like a few months after it should have been thrown out. Right. Like <laughs> it all just melts <laughs> off your body. Like when I step in a puddle <laughs> and my socks are wet, I'm like, Oh my God, I need new shoes. You know, <laughs> it, it's amazing because there, there's like clothes in the thrift store and she'll find like some fancy brand thing that like retails mm-hmm. for some obscenely high hundreds of dollars with a tag in the thrift store for like $3. And so she'll buy it and then sell it for like a fraction of the retail value. It's never been worn, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like allowing people to wear great things for for an affordable price. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like there are people with so much money that they will buy a piece of clothing, realize it doesn't fit or they don't like it for some reason. And in their head, it's 
more of a hassle than necessary to return it. So they just give it to the thrift store. And then there are people like Laura who are fantastically good thrift shoppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom is another very good example of this kind of a person who just know where to go, are willing to do it and have an eye for spotting the really good stuff. That's the hard part. Yeah. Most people aren't good at that or they don't want to do it. But people who want cheaper clothes that are nice are totally willing to scroll through a fun app while they're at work and see, oh, this person in Hoboken is selling this really cool dress for like half of what I would get at the actual store. Mm-hmm. So Laura makes a little bit of extra, uh, extra money that way. And it's a cool system because, you know, she's not limited to just selling off the stuff that she owns, which eventually runs out. Uh, she's just basically arbitraging. You know? Oh my God! So I have to throw I have to throw like a um, a quick tip in here. If you want to learn how to do what Laura does, she just kind of has been silently documenting this, um, everything that she does, how she's been finding like what works, and she refuses to come on the show to talk about it. But if you go <laughs> to finderskeepers.co, uh, you'll you'll actually just be able to learn. Um, she's spent an enormous amount of time building this. Anyways. Why doesn't she want to promote it? I don't know. (laughs) Well, we'll do it for her, I guess. That's right. (laughs) I've never done the clothing thing. Um, In college, though, I would go to the campus surplus store. Mm. And it was like it was only open on Wednesdays from like 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. So I'd have to skip a class sometimes to go there. But they would always sell like computers they were done using. Mm. There's a huge shelf of them, and you could buy them for super oh cheap. Oh, my God, dude. So I'd buy one of those. I'd buy, like, an old monitor they were selling, an old keyboard, get the whole thing for, like, 100 bucks, put it all together, throw Ubuntu Linux on it, and then put it on Craigslist. For the lo- and, you know, I get I get buyers, and I'd say, hey, this is for your grandma. You know, it doesn't have Windows on it, but here's Firefox. Yeah. It, it works just the same. For, for the longest time, I was the guy that, like, you put your old computer tower on the street, and I'd be walking by, I'd see it, and I'd like take it home with me, like take it for parts and shit. And there's a heat sink in <laughs> there that right. I could use. Yeah. <laughs> I've been looking for a screw like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of fun. Like, I don't know. I think we've both gotten to the point in our lives where we're like, well, we could never do that. But back then it was like it was fun just hunting through junk yeah. piles and you know, making 80 bucks profit on something <laughs> like that. And then the last thing we have here is there are community activities that you can do that pay. So maybe you're like an umpire for a little league or maybe you like coach a little league. I don't, I don't know if that's only volunteer or if the community pays for it. I think it, the coach is, but, is volunteer, but like umpire, okay. maybe you're there for like two hours. I don't know. Maybe you get $30. It's not like you're getting rich. Not like the games are so frequent, but if you love baseball, you know, and you want to help, mm-hmm. um, you get to do this thing. And you get paid. So it's like kind of cool. It like scratches multiple itches. And and you're not, you know, in your apartment just watching Netflix. Like you're kind of getting out there, maybe meeting some people. Mm. So side hustles. Uh, Next up, we have investments. And I think we're going to probably breeze through these. I was literally going to say like, dude, we're we're blasting through (laughs) these. I'll, I'll, we got to blast these. Allow me. I'll let you do them because you listed them. (laughs) All right. So, um, you could certainly earn money by working. And which I believe in, and we both still work. But I also strongly believe that your money should earn you money. And so some of the places that Laura and I have our money, or these are just great ways to make income, fundrise. Uh, it's quarterly dividends. It essentially invests in rental properties for you. 
uh, either in the debt portion, so when the company's paying off the debt, or actually owning the property and you get the rents. Um, that's sweet. And if you want to go a step further, uh, like Laura and I are also doing, and we've talked about before, Roofstock, you get your own rental properties. Links we'll have in the show notes. Um, if you want uh, something uh, cheaper and, and not property-based, uh, there's Lending Club. People want to refinance their loans. People want to pay for their weddings, all kinds of weird stuff. And they get loans on Lending Club and you can invest in them. Each loan you can invest as little as $25 and I actually recommend. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so they actually have all this data um, that, that kind of shows that uh, the investors, they get the highest, like they, it's all open data on their platform, which is awesome because you drive your own insights. But essentially the people who make the most money invest the least in each individual loan. And their ultimate strategy is to like basically do the minimum, like $25 across a hundred or more loans. Um, mm-hmm. And then that'll yield you the best return because if any individual loan fails, the most you're going to lose is $25. Um, and so the yeah. yield is kind of picked up in like the larger group. So Lending Club is awesome. We'll have the link. And then finally, just kind cool. of, sorry, tell me. Oh, no, I was just saying that that's cool. I didn't know you could do, I didn't know you could invest a small amount into one loan. Yeah, and, and the cool part is like Fundrise is quarterly. Roofstock, obviously, if you have a rental property, it's monthly. Lending Club is also mm-hmm. monthly and, and it pays out just how like a normal loan is structured where every month you'll get a portion of principal back and a portion of interest for the duration of the loan. So the loan's like two years, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, What's the return on uh, that compared to like a index fund or a, you know a regular mutual fund? Like, is it better? Yeah, so so it's actually extremely high because you're taking on a lot more risk. Oh. So um, the loans are not okay. asset backed. So if if you lend me money, I could be like, you know what? Uh, I'll take the hit on the credit and whatever. I just won't pay. Which you know, mm. um, obviously, more risky loans have higher rates, and I think maybe the highest rate is like. 22 to 25%, which is like those people, it's rough in that area. But the point being, yeah, uh, the, the rates are certainly higher than like dividends, like the lowest end, the A rated loans, the return will be higher than dividends. Wow. Um, cool. Which helps me end on dividends. So we did this episode. We're just going to link to it. I'm not going to explain it. There's this class of stocks that are called the dividend aristocrats. And they don't just pay dividends. They have consistently paid dividends over a long period of time, consistently increased their dividends, super secure. Um, it's like a coveted club. And so if you're wanting to be a dividend investor, you should probably look there. Mm-hmm. Investment's done. Cool. And that brings us to things that you can rent mm. out. Which, uh, I, before we go through these, I, I know we have at least one episode on the sharing economy, as it's called. Yes. Where we talk about all these services where, you, you know, you can rent out your car, rent out your apartment, rent out whatever you have. Um, you know, just stuff you're not using. It, it's an asset with value. And there are now services where you can actually extract value mm-hmm. from those things. So, your car sitting there looks like there's a, a site called hirecar.com and it's spelled h-y-r-e car.com and apparently 
what it, make over 1k a month on daily rentals to people who drive for uber yeah and so so i was looking at it and it's it seems like um there i actually have a buddy who created a business essentially loaning cars out to people but like if you have a car mm-hmm. and you don't need it during the week you only drive on the weekends um just like rent it out to uber drivers or lyft drivers through this platform and just i mean it's sitting in your driveway might as well earn you money right how does that work with uh, your insurance because there's like multiple drivers is it like you just assume the risk i i have not researched what? nearly that deep i i imagine <laughs> that like here's a business that they want to make money on selling renting your car there's a lot of no's yeah i'm sure they've they've figured out the no's i'm assuming okay, cool uh we also have your house so airbnb mm-hmm. you have an extra room in your house or something like that then we could rent it out with airbnb depending on where you live you know you could be booked every weekend if you wanted to and a lot of people will you know cut their mortgage in half yeah. doing that which is a pretty cool thing uh, and then you have your sobriety, be a designated driver. So by this, do you mean like be an Uber driver or do you mean like charge your friends to be the DD when you're going out? So I out? had this like weird thing in my head that in an older episode, Matt had said that he charged his friends to be a designated driver. And I actually would strongly believe that'd be true because he, he's like that. And so um, look like your friends want to go hang out. You know, you can hang out with them. Um, but like, guys, I actually won't drink, but you each owe me like 20 bucks and I'll make sure you get home on time, whatever, you know, it's, <laughs> I will be, that's your right. You know, and then you still get a hangout. Um, <laughs> yeah, that could work. Uh, I, I can't remember where I heard this. It might've been a comedian, but there was some story about, you know, the guy being the DD the way he makes money is he just stops at every gas station. <laughs> It's just like, all right, guys, you got to pitch it for gas. <laughs> right. He's filling up other people's cars. Like. <laughs> he just didn't know he's on there, not even buying gas. He's just like, I need 10 bucks. For me <laughs> man, the, the mileage in your car sucks, yeah, man. Right? <laughs> Get home and you've made 100 bucks. Wow, that, that, that gas fill up only took you two minutes. You collected our money and left. Yeah. But I mean, you could do Uber and Lyft for yourself. And I mean, on a Saturday night that you're basically the DD for yeah, everyone. True. At that point, <laughs> uh, I, this is not something that I would do because I never want somebody to puke in my car yeah. ever. So if I were going to be an Uber driver, I would only ever do it like in the day and I would just not make as much money. Uh, and then one last final little category we have here is optimize your expenses. There, there so, are three. Tell I think, me. I was just going to say, I think most of this episode is about, you know, increasing yeah. your income, but it should be noted that. If you decrease what you spend, then you are left over with more money. So there are, there's three on this list. I'm going to add one more in, um, services that Laura and I have used that are just really cool. Um, in that they make you, they like make slash save you money by doing nothing, which is like my core. The core of my being is about making money doing nothing. (laughs) So there's a thing called Paribus, P-A-R-I-B-U-S link, links in the notes, tap our face. Um, it basically hooks into uh, your credit card and just looks at where you're spending your money. And if prices change, um, they will contact the company and get you the difference. So this works really great during like Christmas time or general sale times. So if you bought something before Black Friday and then it gets marked down, you know, Paribus will do that. And a lot of cards have 30-day guarantee price change things but you'd have to like go and do it they essentially automate it for you 
That's yeah. cool. And so if you like that one, then you'll really like service, um, which we have we have not tried it. I've signed up for it. And so we're, we're going on vacation soon. We're going to try. But planes and hotels constantly change their prices to optimize for all this inane shit. And if the price goes down after you've booked your flight or your hotel, they will they will essentially do the same thing as Paribus, but for that. Um, oh which my is, God. That's right, amazing. Right? Like, and this, this amounts to like a meaningful amount. So, so there's that. Yeah. Um, then there is this uh, app called Seated. So Laura and I eat all of our money. Like we literally just eat, like we go out to eat <laughs> or we go out for drinks or whatever. Um, we're in New York. It's kind of like, it's like the eating capital of the world. I don't know. You can get every great food here. And so, um, mm-hmm. Seated has an enormous amount of these restaurants and bars on there. And I guess it's a way for owners of these establishments to bring people in. And so what happens is we're going to go to this restaurant anyways, but we go onto Seated and they're like $25 reward if you go and you eat here. We were going to eat there anyways. It's like right down the block. So we do it through Seated. We eat there. It automatically checks our credit card thing, whatever. And we get a $25 uh, gift card. It's like Amazon, Uber, whatever. So it, it often awesome. amounts to about 10% off our meal based on the, uh, the huh. reward. Um, and then I'm going to see if that one's oh, in dude, Denver. I'm, I'm sure it's in Denver. Uh, I, I mean, you're closer to San Francisco than I am. It's true. There's a lot of restaurants <laughs> in Denver. And, and so this, this last one, uh, is called trim T R I M. And so it turns out that all, all the amounts of money that all these arbitrary companies that you pay monthly for, um, the price that they charge you isn't the lowest price because you know there are people who sign up for a deal or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Trim basically yeah. negotiates on your behalf and cuts the price. So I don't know if they call up Verizon like, this guy's going to cancel if you don't lower it. And they lower it or what the deal is, but uh, <laughs> they, they just lower your bills. So you sign up. Uh, yeah. they, they try. If they can, they do. If they don't, whatever. And if they do, you just pay. Like, say they save you $600 a year. Maybe you pay them like $100 or whatever. the. But like, if they don't save you anything, you don't pay anything. That's yeah. cool. I want to try out that seated one. And just, I don't think we spelled that one out. It's like seat. So S E A T E D, not like seeded, like plant seeds. <laughs> well, we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you sign up for yeah. the link, it will give Laura and I more more money to eat. Um, <laughs> eat Andrew and Laura. <laughs> but uh, that we use that religiously. I mean, we we almost uh, don't go to places if they don't have it. Uh, it it's kind of really? ridiculous. It really is. It's um. I am looking it up on my phone right now so I don't forget because we, that's we went out really to dinner cool. with our, our friends the other night and uh, I think the meal the, the four of us it was like a hundred it was actually not that bad and you could judge but it was like one hundred and fifty dollars or maybe it was like one hundred and forty dollars mm-hmm. and we got forty dollars from seated for going to that restaurant which is that's like a meaningful proportion of the meal like yeah it's like we we basically appetized and first round drank for free. You know, that that's mm. freaking cool. I'm going to do that. I think that also possibly encourage us to go try some new places. True. Cause we kind of default to the same few places now that we've found. We're totally the same. Like, but there's a ton in yeah. Denver. So 
Cool. Well, hey, that's that's a a, a spectacularly right? long episode. <laughs> I think we usually don't break the hour mark these days, but yeah, there's an I was hour like, and this episode minutes, is basically. either going to be five minutes or. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I looked at the the outline this morning. Right, it was, it was tiny, weak, just so. to say it, <laughs> <laughs> and then it grew up. So uh, this would be a great episode for you to check out our show notes. We have links to Fundrise, Roofstop, Lending Club, all these cool money saving services that we talked about. It's a lot to dig into mm-hmm. from this episode. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I think you can tap our face to bring up those show can, notes. Uh, I think Google. Yeah, Pocket Casts. You swipe mm. to the right. Um, I, I mean, yeah, whatever podcast app you use, there's a way to bring up the show notes. We put don't the whole swipe article us to the left, then we can't date. But, yeah, don't swipe left <laughs> yeah, on this. Right. Don't swipe right. You would always swipe right <laughs> on somebody matters. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you want to find our show notes on the internet, you know the regular boring old HTTPS, then um, listenmoneymatters.com/slash. Show mm. is where you can find the archive of every episode oh we've ever done. You can find our and show notes we there. Finally, after like five years, created a list of our episodes in order, numbered. So if you want to, <laughs> I did notice it's like that. a grand achievement. Was just a, a fucking list of episodes. I was very mm. happy to see that. Yeah, that's it was really useful because there's so many. There's like five hundred now insane. or something like that. So so check that out. Um, you can find it other tools that we recommend uh, books that we recommend cool apps and things like that. So if the stuff that we've talked about in the show notes are not enough for you, then listenmoneymatterscom slash toolbox is another good resource on our site with a lot of our all time favorite stuff that is going to improve your life and uh, check it out. If you want to support this podcast, you can also go onto Apple podcasts and give us a rating and review always helps, helps to bump up the rankings, helps us to know what we're doing wrong, what we can improve on. Uh, you know, some good feedback in there. So do that. We heavily appreciate it. I don't know why I use the word heavily in there. It's a weird adjective for that one, but I'm just going to stick with it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you in next week's episode. Later, dude. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs>